internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? You got a cough. I got a cough. Well, it's my body. It's getting it out. It says, get out, evil phlegm. Get out. Yeah. A lot of that post-nasal drip. That's right. My voice is back. Which is great. Which is great. My voice is great. Thank you. Okay. But don't laugh. Don't laugh. They'll make me cough. I have to be really careful because I'm so funny. Right. And every time I make Teresa laugh, she coughs. So I'm like actively now not making eye contact with her. Which is also funny. Dang it. I'm trying so hard. I'm going to be very dry this episode. Tell me my love. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, I think that that the problem is Uh if I try and stifle it. Yeah. As I as I am one to do. Yeah. You well, should just do what you normally do and not laugh at anything I just say. Just not laugh. But see, I always I try and stifle it and that's what makes me cough. If I, I laugh out loud, it doesn't make me cough as much. So wait, are you so telling me I'm that this whole time do you've been better comedy? Have you been holding back laughs this whole time? Yes. What? Constantly. Since the moment I met you, I've been trying not to encourage you. This is how I find out here. <laughs> On the podcast in front of everybody? I I think somehow, deep down, oh my you knew. No, I, I had no idea. I thought your laugh maker was broken. But see, it's always, it ha- is, it's partly uh-huh. because a lot of your jokes are real dumb. But it's also oh, see, partly. But now I don't take that seriously because now I know that you're just trying to keep my ego in check. So actually you think everything I say is very funny. And I'm waiting for the good ones. So I'm I'm trying, I try to Keep stifle, waiting, baby. I try and stifle all of the, the groaners and encourage the good jokes. You know, one man's groaner is another man's loner. What? No, I don't know. Okay, so. Uh, we're gonna do. We have this. Uh, I don't know if it's tradition or habit or whatever, but I'm gonna add this to the list of when we do a biography. I don't know anything about the person, but I know enough now about this process to know that by the end of this episode, I will think this person is amazing. Yes, because this person is amazing. There you go. This is another example too. Um, and and it's a thing uh, that comes up a lot, but we specifically try to set our sights on it during February, which is to say, here is a, a historical black person who you probably did not learn about in school and you should know about. Exactly. Is that a good, I don't, that's yeah. probably a very awkward, clunky way to put it, but you get it. We're using February as a time to highlight Historical black figures you may not have heard of. Yeah, see, when you said it, it sounded so much more like sincere and well put. And I said it like an alien who had just learned English. (laughs) We are studying. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Today, we have a female black innovator. Okay. uh, And their name was Mary Kenner. Yeah, that uh, man... Zero bells. Zero bells are ringing. Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner was born on May 17th, 1912 in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wait, wait, 1912? Yes. 110 years ago. Mm -hmm. I did it. Math. And uh, she was constantly surrounded by innovation. Um, Her father was called Sidney Nathaniel Davidson. Constantly was tinkering with things and creating incredible inventions. Can I tell you, I'm sad I never got into tinkering. 
That seems like a thing. I think you still do it. You think? Every every time you go with like a wrench and a screwdriver to fix something that you don't know how it works. That's You're tinkering? T- that's tinkering. Yeah, but I doubt that when BB is like an adult, she'll be like, my father was always tinkering. I think she was like, he was always breaking something. He was always <laughs> just shrekking around. He, sometimes he would walk away with a wrench, and before I knew it, something was on fire. Uh, I mean, that definitely counts. I don't know. I guess that's true. You don't have to be good at tinkering to be tinkering all the time. You know what I call it then? Stinkering. Yeah. Oh, man. He invented a clothing press that could fit inside a suitcase. What? Uh, a patented a window washer for trains and a stretcher with wheels for ambulances. We don't use the same one today, but, but it, that's stuff, it man. set the wheels uh, in motion. Ah, uh, see, you do it too. Okay, go on. Um, and her father wasn't the only inventor. Her grandfather invented a tricolored light signal for trains. What? Um, and uh, it was, again, groundbreaking for train safety and communication. So this is like, there is a lineage here. This yeah. is like, my father's father was an inventor. Absolutely. Okay. His sister, Mildred Davidson Austin Smith, was also an inventor. Uh, Mildred actually had MS, and during her multiple sclerosis, uh, I don't know if that's Episodes? Called. Episodes. She would brainstorm creations while she was bedridden. Her specialty was board games. What? Yeah. She has a very famous one called Family Tree Edition. <gasps> oh, I like it. Which is That's a, a great... I love it. Yeah, it's a genealogy game for kids. I feel like we should get this. I always have a lot of questions about the names of relatives. So like there were 64 cards and you could earn points by placing three cards from your hand on the board, which represented a correct relationship between your relatives. So example, my father's first cousin is my second cousin. Okay. Right? Yeah. This would be very helpful. It would be because I still don't understand how that works. And she purposefully designed angular faces on uh, on the cards so that it would be a universal face look. It wouldn't just be one type of face. Okay. Well, I already like this family. Totally. And I haven't even learned about Mary It's yet. a great family. So Mary, as she was called, uh, went on to continue the family I guess, business, I uh-huh. guess. It sounds like a family business. And she made a variety of The family of tradition. Uh-huh. And, you know, there were some patents achieved, some patents lapsing, things of that sort. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. And famously, she talked about how uh, she did not like that her mother would leave very early in the morning and open and close the door and the, the hinge on the door was very squeaky and it would wake her up. So um, she she wanted to create a self-oiling door hinge. Okay. Did not go well. No. Not at all. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, we don't <laughs> use those now. Right. And I was going to be like, why don't we have those? That would be great. But it doesn't seem like it works. Uh, and is quoted as saying, I hurt my hands trying to make something that in my mind was good for the door. Yeah. Not, didn't, didn't really work. Didn't work. Okay. Next time. You'll so, get him next time, but, Mary. But, I mean, it was clear from very early on that, you know, she was a very curious and obviously very smart young girl. For example, 
She noticed that people riding in the back of automobiles are usually subject to poor weather. Uh, and this makes sense in the, the 1910s, right? 1920s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so she created a an adjustable roof that could extend over them in the event of rain. <gasps> like a convertible. A little bit. Okay. She created a portable ashtray that you could secure onto a cigarette packet. In fact, her family was so inventive and curious and obviously really good at this stuff. They moved to Washington, D.C. to be close to the patent office. <gasps> okay, that's commitment right sure there. Is. Okay. I mean, would we move close to a podcast office if it existed? I guess not, because Max Fun's in L.A., and we actively moved away from there to come here. So probably not. There's... I didn't want to say active. We didn't actively move away from Max Fun. Let's be clear. It wasn't like, we got to get away from Max Fun. <laughs> but we did say, we're definitely leaving Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. I was not a fan. Not for me. So we left. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the problem was you were too beautiful and all the movie starlets got really jealous uh, and that was so uh-huh, mean to you. Uh-huh. This is an example of a groaner. That wasn't, I was supposed to be like, I'm trying, Mr. Suki. Mm-hmm. No? No. Ugh. Try harder. I'm trying as hard as I can. <laughs> got it. <coughs> yes. According to the Vagina Museum, which is a real place in London. Yeah. It's a real place. We went back and forth because Mary was born in Virginia, and we were like, how is it? And we had to go back and forth like, is it real? So then I looked in the sources for Alex uh, because she is an amazing uh, researcher and writer and always lists all her sources for me. And yes, the Vagina Museum. Okay. According to them, that office, the patent office, was 12-year-old Kenner's favorite place in the entire world. And in D.C., she would keep updating her opportunities to have her ideas patented. So she stayed there her entire life. Oh. Not the office, yeah. but D.C. Her, when you said so she stayed there until you said her entire life, I was thinking, like, she was hung out. <laughs> Is this anything? Now it's done. Oh, okay, what about this one? She graduated high school in 1931 and went on to attend Howard. But sadly, she was not able to finish due to financial instability. Can I just say, like, it's probably, it's Howard University, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. But I think I like just saying, like, she attended Howard and then attended Jason and then attended Stephen. No. No. Okay. Well, I. What? Go on. Say it. I'm insulted that you would think that our listeners would not be able to put together no, I think they would. university after Howard. I just like the idea. It's of like it. saying William and Mary. Who are they? It's like saying Harvard. It's like saying Yale. Okay. University is implied. Okay. Sir. Okay, fair enough. I went to Oklahoma. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you win this round. Yes, I do. So, because of this, Mm -hmm. Mary Kenner, having a brilliant mind and yet no formal education to pack under her belt, she was not very welcome in different workspaces, not having any mentors or guides outside of her own family. And it was a difficult time for women in science, especially black women. Women like Kenner had been barred from academic establishments and scientific institutions for years. But like the women before her, Kenner did not give up. She saved and scraped together everything she would need to be her own scientist on her own terms. She believed in her inventions and was not about to let a lack of formal education stop her. 
Well, already, I think she's awesome, and I can't wait to hear more about it. But first, how about a thank you note to our sponsors? This week, Schmanners wants to say thank you to Bombas. Bombas's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. I'm saying this directly to you like you didn't already know this about and Bombas. And I'm feeling very good about it because I am currently wearing Bombas sweatpants. Indeed. Everything they make is soft. Can you confirm? Yes, can confirm. Seamless. Soft inside and out. Tagless. And a luxuriously cozy feel. Excellent cozy yeah, thank feel. You. Their t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, perfect weight so they hang just right. Can confirm. Their underwear has a barely there feel with a second skin support. Mm, mm. They're all very sci-fi. And it makes you forget they're there in a good way, which is great. And... Socks, underwear, and T-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So go to bombas.com slash schmanners and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on Maximum Fun. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah! Okay, she's making her own way. Making her own way. She set up her own science den, science fort, science lab. (laughs) Let's go with lab. Lab. That makes a lot Um, more sense. After leaving Howard, uh, Mary went from job to job, but what she finally landed was a steady full-time job in government. Who knew? D.C. Okay. Uh, In World War II, she took a job at the Census Bureau and later for the General Accounting Office, which is great because this nine to five really helped her save the night times for inventing. The night times were the right times for... Bright times. What? Bright, because she's very smart. Oh. So night times were the right times for bright times. So something could ignite times. 
<laughs> I'm going to cough again because you need to keep working on that one. Well, I was trying to. I was workshopping <laughs> it here in front of you and our audience. <laughs> a live jam session. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's how uh, I girl and Poe did it. She was married a couple times. Her second husband, she would call the love of her life. Um, he Was Was there a third husband after that? Because bummer. No. Okay. I was going to say, if there's a third house, and she keeps going like, yeah, but the second one, that was the love of my life. I know, Mary. You've told me. <laughs> anyway, um, he was a heavyweight fighter. Everybody called him Jabbo because he was a boxer. Can everyone start calling me Jabbo? No, because you're not a boxer. I know. Listen, it doesn't have to be connected. No, to it does. Okay. You never let me do what I want to do. Uh, shortly after they got married... Uh, Mary quit her government job and opened a flower shop. She opened a flower shop. She, the, can I tell you, this is another thing that we tend to find, and maybe it's just like the times being what they were. I don't know. But I, I feel like it's a recurring theme that we do these biographies to people, and it's like, yeah, they had like, you know, six different, seven different like careers and jobs and stuff going before they even got to the thing that made them famous. And maybe that's about like, they're looking for the thing that fulfills whatever desire within them to accomplish something and they haven't hit it yet. Or it's just like, I have this dream and I'm going to do whatever it takes to like earn a living so I can follow the dream. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, or it's also like, you know, I, I've heard of people thinking about like, what am I going to do with my life? It's like, no, what are you going to do for a while? And then you can go and do something else. That's true. So, uh, you know, you, you've had several career Oh, my shifts. God, so many. Maybe it's some of those were, hey, you seem pretty distracted thinking about the thing you want to do, so you're fired. <laughs> so maybe that was it. That might have been it, too. That might have been it. Um, so the couple wouldn't have children of their own, but according to some sources, they were a foster parent to five boys and maybe have adopted, ultimately, three of them. Wow. Um. But very active parents, her and her husband. Uh, they raised their children and worked at the flower shop, continued inventing. Uh, and what she didn't know at this point, what what is that literary device? She didn't know Dramatic this. irony. M- no. That's where the audience knows something that the person doesn't know. Are you sure? I think so. Foreshadowing? Is that what you're talking about? No, maybe I'm thinking about an omnipotent narrator. That's, that's then me. That's, then that's dramatic irony. Okay. Because you know something that the character doesn't know. Okay. I think. Oh, man. She would uh, have one of her inventions change the course of menstruation products for the rest of time. Okay. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I assume so. That would be a weird thing to bring up and then never bring up again. <laughs> Let, I just, but on that vein, I want to back up just a touch. This is the 1950s, okay, that we're talking about this. Okay, sure. Tampons were invented in the 1930s, but there was a ton of social stigma that went oh, with yeah. tampons. Absolutely. Um, so uh, women used sanitary belts. At this point, which would uh, hold sanitary napkins, right? Uh, Because even though tampons had been invented, they were widely uh, shunned except for uh, married women. Was it because the idea of, uh, God, I hate that this is the word I'm going to use, insertion? Yes. Yeah. And that you could, quote, sully a woman's vagina. Oh, my God. Right? So. And these belts, just in case anybody doesn't know, they were uh, clunky? Uncomfortable. Yes. 
They uh, uh, definitely were bulky. Um, you could not wear a tight dress over top of it. They would definitely be seen. Um, most people at this point who were menstruating just stayed home. Yeah, because that includes the pads themselves. Wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, bulky, not So uh, you would stay home and you would just kind of clean yourself, take care of yourself, sit around, not do much because you were out of commission because you didn't have a lot of choices. Tampons were around, but frowned upon unless you were married. And these... That was the same deal with like contraception at this point, exactly, right? Like exactly. you had to prove you were married and yeah. Um, and so the sanitary belts were just pits, okay? Uh, let me, let Can me. Can I just say the pits is a great phrase that we should bring back? <laughs> oh, uh, these sanitary belts, they're the pits. The pits. Let me describe it to you. It's a little bit like a jock strap, uh -huh. okay? Um, but it's kind of like elasticy around all the way, right? Uh -huh. And open at what would be the crotch area. Uh huh. So you would have to. The one that most people used was Dr. White's, which was held together with safety pins. Oh, boy. To be easily changeable once the pad was full. But the idea of those coming undone and, yeah. like, safety, once again, they reminds me of, like, the term, like, safety razor. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, no, it's a little bit safer. Because it's not just, like, a razor blade. But right. it's still, <laughs> it's, like, it's not safe. It's a razor. Right? And, and the safety pin is still... Or just a sharp metal pokey thing. And these sanitary belts were pretty much one size for all. One size fit nobody. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were non-adjustable. They were difficult to get on and off. They could be very uncomfortable around. I'm pulling it out because I want to. A bloated tummy. I have it right here. Here you go. Look at look at this business. Oh, Boise. Here. And this. So I'm showing Travis. The patent submitted by Mary Kenner. In, oh, I see. So it kind of like latched in, in 1954. In this is the adjustable sanitary belt that she put together. So as you can see, uh, Travis is looking at it. Well, I'm looking at the Dr. White's, right? Okay, which Dr. Is, White's. Which is, yeah, looks wildly uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Oh, oh God. That came with a pack of, san of uh, <laughs> safety pins. Um, and so hers was fully adjustable um, and even featured some um, Velcro-like kind of, uh, no, I mean, it would be called hook and loop, right? right yeah. uh, some hook and loop uh, pads that could be uh, kind of like, an, what, what's the word I'm looking for, an, an adhesive yeah. to keep the sanitary napkin in place. And Travis is just making all kinds of faces looking up the sanitary uh, belt. Here's the thing about it, right? So looking at hers versus, like, the Dr. White's and, like, others from that era, it's a thing that's not, unfortunately, not uncommon today, too, which is having something designed for a person by a person who does not use it. Yeah. And so it's like, well, we've reached a point of basic functionality and we're going to just stop there. Mm -hmm. Right? We're very clearly compared to her design where it was like, no, this is a focus on not just functionality, but comfort. Right. Discretion. Like operation. like And fit. Because yeah. like I said, a lot of these sanitary belts were quite small. 
and they they didn't fit every person who needed mm-hmm. them. Um, in the 1970s, they were rendered moot because self adhesive, so with the like the sticky tape, yeah, um, was invented in the 70s, and so that replaced the need for a belt. You would just stick it into your underwear. Well, and it probably also helped with the uh, relaxation of the uh, what's the word stigmatization absolutely of, of a tampon. Um, so her patent was focused on leak-proof comfort for all sizes. Uh, she even had an inbuilt moisture-proof napkin pocket that you could use. Um, Instead of safety pens? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she completed her invention in 1954 and in 1956 was officially approved for a patent. You would think oh. that corporate uh, America would be all up on this. I actually wouldn't think that, but I understand. I mean, it was definitely something, there was a a niche market, right? There was money to be made. You say niche market, but that niche market is people who menstruate, right? It's not that niche. It really isn't, but I mean. I'd say like my brother, my brother and me is for a niche market. There were people who would pay for this. Correct. So I would think that there would be a company all up over themselves. Ah, uh, but see, tripping I, over themselves is what I mean to get their hands on this but fantastic I'm invention. About, I'm thinking about it being 1956. You said, uh huh, right? And at that point, business and marketing being run, if not predom- if not completely, at least incredibly predominantly by men, mm-hmm. who are probably like, but there's already a product like that out there. What are you? How do we market this without having to talk about menstruation? No way. We're not going to talk about ladies' comfort. Oh, gross! Right. So that's why I'm like, yeah, I can see where 1950s, like adult men, would be like, ooh, I don't know about all this. Ooh. Well, I was hoping to build up some sort of like. This is going to be great for Mary. Yeah. But you've already burst my bubble. Well, I'm just so... saying. I watched one episode of Mad Men. And I then I couldn't watch it anymore because it made me really uncomfortable. But I got from that one episode that, yeah, this wouldn't fly very well then. She did everything right. She kept her patent uh, secret. She tried to, um, you know, shop it around. She was contacted by a hygiene and home goods company. But once they found out she was black, it was off. There was, it was even worse than I imagined. It was even worse than you imagined. She did keep her invention uh, tight to her chest, but it didn't matter because the company contacted her and was like, hey, we'd like to do this, but never mind, you're black. Okay. Yeah. She said, these are her words, I'm sorry to say, when they found out I was black, their interest dropped. The representative went back to New York and informed me the company was no longer interested. They tried to find every reason under the sun as to why I could not sign their contract. We don't curse on this show, um, but just know that in my mind I am cursing. Luckily for all of us, that company would soon go out of business. So you probably take ha- that, <laughs> take that, that company, that company. You probably haven't heard of it. Um, I hadn't. The Son Nap Pack Company. No, because they are lost to history now. Because of their bigotry and racism. Maybe they wouldn't have gone out of business if they had bought this brand new wonderful product to market. But look at you now, bigots. Okay, go on. Like all things, her patent eventually lapsed. 
and her invention did change the lives of millions of people who menstruate. Um, And even though she didn't get the money she rightfully deserves, when the design became public domain, it caught on like nobody's business. Yeah, but that sucks. You know, like, I'm glad that the invention got out there and had the impact, but, like, it is, once again, don't curse, it is horse apples Mm -hmm. that it didn't happen until it didn't have to be credited to her. You know what I mean? Um, Between 1956 and 1987, she would go on to receive a total of five patents for her household and personal products. Uh, Many of these products were inspired by wanting to help her sister, who had, remember, MS. Um, And as it got worse, Mary began to create and design helpful objects to make her sister's life easier easier. A toilet tissue holder that held the roll uh, uh, much more stably um, and had an attached bar that made it easier to tear off. Uh, She patented a backwasher, which could be mounted on a shower or bathtub wall, making bathing easier. She patented an attachment for the walker so that Mildred could have more mobility even when she was hurting. It could be attached to a walker or a wheelchair and included a hard surface tray and a cloth carrying case. And I mean, it, it just the love that uh, she had for her sister inspired so many things. The want to make things accessible and easy for other people. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and that, that seems to be a pattern throughout her inventions, right? She wanted to help. <laughs> she wanted to help herself sleep better. Well, and help the door. And help the door by so oiling it. For the door. Uh, she wanted to be uh, good for hygiene and uh, sanitation products. Help her sister. Help, help her sister people. out. Yeah. Help people who needed. Uh, accessible products and things like that. And not just accessible, like more independence in that accessibility as well. Absolutely. Uh, And they never netted her much money, but Mary continued to invent and make them anyway. And it seemed her entire life revolved around helping people. She continued to work as a professional floral arranger, uh, getting so popular that she expanded to four flower shops in the D.C. area. So at least she saw, I mean, great. Listen, not the same at all. But some kind of success, you know, at least it wasn't like, and she lived her life penniless and, you know, in desperation, but still infant. At least she had that. Yeah. And she uh, was an active foster parent. And according to the Vagina Museum, Mary Kenner still holds the record for the most patents ever obtained by a black woman. Okay. This is another thing, man. I want to know more about her. Like, she's fascinating. Like... She seems like a really cool person. Yeah. And her inventions, although we haven't, I mean, she's not a household name, obviously, and her inventions aren't credited to her, especially the one that changed uh, menstruation products. They went on to pave the way for household items and, and other sanitary products and things like that. So she was a brilliant inventor and designer and wonderful human being it seems and you know that legacy shouldn't be forgotten so we're glad to help to tell her story so thank you everybody for joining us thank you to mary kenner thank you to alex our researcher without whom we would not be able to make the show thank you to rachel our editor without whom we would not be able to make the show thank you to maximumfun.org our podcast home if you want to check out other great shows just go to maximumfun.org if you want to check out other macroy projects you can go to macroy.family if you want to check out all the cool Macroy merch. Well, it's easy. Just go to macroymerch.com. 
Um, let's see. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast. When we have topics that call for listener-submitted questions, that's where we get all of those questions, at SchmannersCast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice, go ahead and join that group today. Um, Also, we are always taking submissions for topics, and we love those idioms. I want to get back on that idiom train, so send us your idioms to schmannerscast at gmail.com. You can also say hi to Alex, who reads every single email. Uh, Two important things. I mentioned the merch, but specifically this week, or this month, yeah, this month, the McElroy pin of the month is the Sawbones number two books uh, that was based off of their episode about the impact that bookstores and uh, that environment has on one's uh, digestion, if you will. Uh, and that benefits the National Black Women's Justice Institute. They research, elevate, and educate the public about innovative community-led solutions to address the criminalization of black women and girls. So uh, check those out and everything else at MacRiderMerch.com. Also, we're doing a My Brother, My Brother, and Me virtual live show. Tickets are on sale now. They're just $10. Uh, it's going to be February 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And if you're not able to make that or if you just want to watch it more than once, it will be a video on demand for two weeks after the show. You can get those tickets at bit.ly slash virtual. Uh, so go get those now. Don't wait. And I believe that's going to do it for us. Uh, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners. Manners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.